Hey, good morning, Friendship family. Happy Easter. So glad you're here. He is risen. All right, some of you are tracking with me. Amen. So my name is Andrew. I'm lead pastor here. So glad that you've joined us on this Sunday morning as we worship the Lord. And hey, if kids, I'm so glad you're in the room. Parents, don't stress. I'm not stressed, so you don't be stressed. All right, it's going to be a fun day today. We are, as a church, in what we're calling the year of discipleship. Um, and we're, so we're working through the story of God. And we're in the series called Against All Odds. And so this morning, we've landed in 1 Samuel chapter 17, which is all about the story of David and Goliath. And so as a way to kind of kick us off, I've got a video to show here in just a moment. Um, And this is um, a video that kind of recaps the story of David and Goliath. It's not just for kids. It is also for us older kids because it is not just a David and Goliath video. It's a Lego David and Goliath because who doesn't love Legos, right? Uh, Okay, so are we ready? Let's roll that video. Check out the screens. God's people, the Israelites, were fighting the mighty Philistines. Unfortunately for the Israelites, the Philistines had Goliath. He was their fiercest, scariest warrior, a giant over nine feet tall. Every day for 40 days, Goliath taunted the Israelite troops. Why bother using your whole army? Pick your best warrior and have him fight me. If he kills me, our army, the mighty Philistines, will become your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves and serve us. Give me a man and let us fight. Goliath's challenge terrified and discouraged King Saul and his troops. But there was one person who trusted in God and was not afraid. David was the youngest son of a man named Jesse. Usually he worked as a shepherd, taking care of his father's sheep at their home in Bethlehem. But since Jesse's three oldest sons were part of the Israelite army, David would sometimes bring them food and supplies. Who does this guy think he is, taunting the armies of God like that? I'll fight Goliath. It didn't take long for the king's men to hear of David's offer, and King Saul sent for him. King Saul, don't give up hope. I'm ready to go and fight. David, this Philistine has been fighting his whole life. No, you can't go out to fight that Philistine. You're just a boy. I've been a shepherd, tending sheep for my father. (laughs) When a lion or bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I'd go after it, knock it down and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If it turned on me, I'd grab it by the throat and kill it. Lion or bear made no difference. The God who delivered me from the teeth of the lion and the claws of the bear will also deliver me from this Philistine. Go, and may God help you. Saul's men tried to give David heavy armor and a big sword, but David had never used such things, and so he preferred to use his own shepherd's staff and sling. As David went to fight Goliath, he picked up five smooth stones from the brook 
and put them in the pocket of his shepherd's bag. <laughs> Am I a dog that you come after me with sticks? Come to me and I'll feed your body to the birds. You come at me with sword and spear. But I come at you in the name of the Lord our God. Today, everyone will know that God doesn't save by the means of a sword or a spear. Battle belongs to God. Then David ran up to the Philistine and used the giant's own sword to finish him off. When the Philistines saw that their mighty champion was dead, they ran for their lives. The Israelites chased them all the way back into the land of the Philistines. Pretty good, huh? I did that all for you. Personally, I produced that. I'm just kidding. It's called YouTube. Um, so the sermon today is called Believing in the One Who Slays Giants, or aka also known as the Power of Easter. And so I know you're saying, like, so how are you, how are you gonna talk about David and Goliath on Easter Sunday? Well, hang with me for a few minutes, and I do mean a few minutes. This is literally gonna be a micro sermon today, all right? Um, but we're gonna cover a few things. Uh, that we know about this story. Here's the first thing we know. We know that this seemed like an unfair fight. Didn't it? It just seemed like an unfair fight because the matchup here was the champion versus the child. So the Philistine people, they referred to Goliath as their champion. And uh, it's easy to see why, because he was a big dude, right? He was fearless and he was significantly larger than the Israelite men. He was over nine feet tall and he was going up against David, who was this young boy. He was young and he was small and the Bible kind of describes him as a pretty boy. You know what I'm talking about? He was a shepherd by trade. He was a writer. He was a musician. Um, he was not a warrior. So he had no real weapons or army, armor. Um, in fact, you know, when I look online, when you look up David and Goliath, you see different images of what the world thinks of this story. So I got a, a few that I want to share with you. Um, here's the first image. And most of these are very disproportionate, right? David was not like the size of an ant, right, compared to Goliath. But we, we feel that way. And so these are usually pretty disproportionate. Here's a second picture, um, a little closer, um, but still kind of pretty far off, but I think a pretty cool image, so I just wanted to share that with you. Um, this third image is maybe a little bit closer um, in size. I like the kind of the dark versus the light kind of deal, but then there's a fourth image I want to share with you that's probably more close to real life as far as the differential in size, and here it is, <laughs> right? It's the most realistic also the most disgusting, so we're going to move right on past that picture. Um, so David and Goliath, we understand this is this champion versus this child, and it seemed like an unfair fight. We know that. But here's the second thing we know, is that it was an unfair fight. 
It was an unfair fight. Um, how many of you like to root for underdogs? Anybody like a good underdog story? I love underdogs. It usually plays out in like sports, whether that's March Madness and St. Peter's Pelicans or Peacocks or whatever they're called. They're such an underdog, we don't even know what they're called. Um, maybe it's in the Super Bowl, the Cincinnati Bengals against the Goliath Los Angeles Rams. I say that because I'm a Bengals fan. Um, I love underdog stories. And David and Goliath appears to be the ultimate underdog story. I mean, before I was even a Christian, I remember growing up, like, I, th- I thought David and Goliath was just this moral narrative about um, conquering your giants. And, and this is an underdog story. And the, the, the issue with this story is that we know it's an underdog story, but we tend to misidentify who the underdog is. Who do we generally say is the underdog? The small one, right? David. Because we recognize the size of David, and we recognize the size of Goliath, but what we tend to forget is we, forget, we tend to forget or to recognize the size of David's God, who was far bigger than Goliath. And so the underdog in this story, it may appear to be David, but it's not. The underdog is Goliath, and, and this is why This is why David was so confident because the only thing that mattered in this fight was the size of God. And when you look at David, he comes marching in, he comes strutting in, and he's got all this confidence. But it was not this arrogant self-confidence. Rather, it's what I would call this holy God confidence, or even I would call it this holy swagger that he comes into this fight with. And I want you to see in 1 Samuel 17, verses 45 and 46, Then David said to the Philistine, to Goliath, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And so he comes in with all this confidence, but it's not this confidence in himself. It's this confidence that, hey, I don't care how big you are. I don't care how bad your weapons are. I'm coming to you with only one weapon. I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord, our God. And so he was confident in the Lord. And and there's this quote from Martin Luther that I love. He says this, of whom shall I be afraid? One with God is a majority. One with God. David came into this battle going, I don't care how big you are. It's me plus God against you. And so you're going down. The Lord this day is going to deliver you into my hand. Why? Because the Lord is bigger. The Lord is better. The Lord is more powerful. Amen? And so we know that this appeared to be an unfair fight. We know it was an unfair fight. Here's the third and final thing that we know, is that God gives the victory so he can get the glory. God gives the victory so he can get the glory. And I, I want to read, we, we saw verse 46, but I want to read that again in verse 47 also. David said this, This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines, not just this giant, but the whole army. I'm going to give the, the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air, to the wild beasts of the earth, that, why? That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Verse 47, and, 
And that all this assembly, that all y'all may know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. What David said was this, the Lord is going to win this battle. The Lord is going to win this fight because he wants all the earth to know two things. Pay attention now. This is why God gives the victory. He wants all the earth to know this. Number one, that there is a God. There is a God who exists, a God in heaven, the God of Israel. And number two, that that God saves. The Lord saves. He rescues. He redeems. This is what we know, that God gives the victory so he can get the glory. In other words, here's what David was saying. He is the hero. God is the hero of this story. The hero is not David. The hero is not you. The hero is not me. God is the hero. And so what we learn in this story is it's not some self-helpy garbage that says, I can fight. I'm strong. I can fight. I can win this battle. I can take down giants. I, you know, if I believe it, I can achieve it. Listen, that is self-helpy garbage that really will not help you. What this, lesson, what this story teaches us is this. The Lord is mighty to save. Amen? He is the hero. He is the one who rescues. He is the one, he not me, has the power to slay giants. And so David in this story, he's not a picture of you and me taking down the giants in our life. David in the story is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one with all the power. In fact, 1 Corinthians 1 says, describes him, defines him as the power of God. And so God gives the victory so he can get the glory. And so through David, God put his power on display, right? He took out the giant. He put his power on display through this young boy. But then if you fast forward, like around a thousand years, this other man comes on the scene. He's actually a descendant of David. He was actually called the son of David. And you know what his name was? It's Jesus. And Jesus came to be the savior, not of the, the armies of Israel. Jesus came to be the savior of the world. He came to save people from their enemy, their enemy of sin and death and hell and the grave. And Jesus came to set us free so that we could truly live. This is why Jesus came, but something tragic happened. Something that appeared tragic happened. Jesus, who came to be our savior, died. And he was buried. And all hope appeared to be lost. It seemed like everything was over because the savior of the world was now dead in a tomb. But oh my goodness, how the tables turn, amen? Because he did not stay in that tomb. He rose from the grave. And I want to read to you this morning the Easter story, Matthew chapter 28. Here's what it says. It says, now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. 
And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Verse number six, and I want you to read this out loud with me. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Verse number seven, then go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead and behold, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and they ran to tell the disciples. And so this morning, y'all, here's, here's where we're going to connect the dots, all right? The power of God, the power of God that put the giant to death is also the same power that came from God to raise Jesus to life. Are, are you tracking with me? It's the same power. The power that put the giant to death is the same God who, who raised Jesus to life on Easter morning. But don't miss this. The same power that put the giant to death, the same power that rose Jesus to life is the same power that raises us from death to life. Amen? It is the same power that raises us to life. Here is the bad news this morning. It's that we are spiritually dead that we are sinners and we are dead in our sin because God is holy, we are sinful, we are dead in our sins and we're separated from God. And so the bad news is that we are dead in our sins and we cannot bring ourselves back to life. We can't raise ourselves back to life. We can't give ourselves spiritual life no matter what we do. We can't be good enough. We can't be religious enough. We can't go to church enough. That's the bad news, but here's the good news. Is that God loves you and that God specializes in raising the dead to life. Amen? He specializes in raising, he gets glory in raising dead things to life. And that includes you and that includes me. This is the good news. This is the power of Easter. That God loves you, he sees you, he wants to raise your dead spirit to life. He wants to breathe life into your soul. And so you too can experience the power of Easter today. You can experience the power of Easter. How? How do we experience the power of Easter? Believe. Believe that Jesus rose from the grave. Believe in Christ, this risen Savior. Jesus said it this way in John 5. He said, for as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and what? Believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from, say this with me, death to life. How do you experience the power of Easter? Belief in the risen Christ. And so this morning, I want to invite you, if you have never, ever believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, you never put your faith in Him, would you do that today? 
not because some preacher asked you, not because you felt like you needed to, but because God is doing something inside of you. And you sense him calling out to you and wanting to raise your dead spirit to life. All it requires is something like a, a simple, honest prayer that just says, God, I don't get all of this, but I believe you are who you said you were. That you are God, you, came, you love me, you came, you died for me, you rose again so that I could experience the life. And so I give you my heart, I give you my life, I believe with all of my heart. My hope for you this morning is that you would get to experience the power of Easter, the power that raised Jesus from the grave, the same power that put the giant to death, that raised Jesus to life, is the same power that raises us from death to life. And this morning, I just want to end with this. A God with power to raise the dead is a God worth giving your life to. Do you believe that? And so God, this morning, I just want to say thank you that you are a miracle worker. You raise the dead to life. You see us in our condition and you came to rescue us, to redeem us, to be the hero, to do what we could never do. And that's to resurrect our dead spirits and give us life, eternal life that we could know God the Father and spend all of eternity with him. And so God, I pray this morning that you would help us to, like Paul prayed in Philippians 3, that we would know you and the power of your resurrection. This is the power that we celebrate today. And so God, we give our hearts to you. Thank you for all that you have done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us as we continue to worship?